When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales, leaders go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey, this Brian's up. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. 
Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know when the story is ready to go. He is. Neil, our story. Neil, how are you? Hello there. Good to meet you, Tom. Nice to meet you as well. We got a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover. We got Dracula the Ripper, the 125th anniversary of Dracula with Neil Story. We got, uh, you know, British society, the first half of the 20th century, the impact of war on them. Where do you want to start, Neil? We got a lot to cover. What I'd like to start with is is really the 125th anniversary of the publication of Dracula. Ooh, it's uh, I, and I think it's probably best to stick with that because it is such a fascinating subject yeah you're right uh, are, are you aware that there has always been this hope and a belief and even a fear that maybe dracula and jack the ripper have a certain synergy between the two Ooh, i like it yeah it's something different i mean if you think about the universal monsters dracula or christopher lee and the hammer film dracula right these are guys they've got the long cape they're they're, they're often wearing evening dress uh, and you, you kind of think of that vision and you add a top hat to that figure. <laughs> yeah and you kind of think, is it drac or is it Jack the Drac? Ripper. Mm-hmm. I like Drac or Jack. That's a good title right there. It'd be a good sitcom. Drac and Jack. Drac and Jack. Great sitcom. <laughs> that would be wonderful. But it's seductive, isn't it? It's a seductive oh, yeah. thought. And what my very first book on Bram Stoker looked at were the connections between the two. Uh, it took me oh, the best part of 15 years to get access to this most remarkable archive of letters and papers and documents. If I put it into a little bit of context, Bram Stoker, he's born in Ireland in 1847. He was a, uh, he was a reporter, really. He, he'd gone to university. Uh, he, he loved theatre. And he got a job as a theatre critic for one of the newspapers, unpaid. But it was because he, his main job was as a civil servant. And he didn't earn an awful lot of money. But because as a theatre critic, he can get to see the shows for free in Dublin. So, And he would write up these articles and it introduced him to that wonderful world of theatre. And he met an, an actor by the name of Henry Irving. And he, mm. Henry Irving went on to be the first actor, British actor, in fact, any actor anywhere in the world, to be knighted by Her Majesty Queen Victoria. Really? Oh, hell yeah, he, he was the man. I mean, he, he, he made... Uh, theatre respectable. Before that, it was a scene of ragtag vagabonds and ladies of dubious morals. They, they, weren't, they weren't all like that, but that's the that was the perception in society at that time. Mm-hmm. So Irving gets a really good name. He's getting great reviews. Bram gives him one of his first major re- really good reviews, seeing the skill of this man. So when Irving gets to take over his first theatre... And the only theatre he ever had was the Lyceum Theatre oh, in London. Sure. Yep. You, you know, it's a big one. It's in the West End. It's just off the Strand. It's still going today. It's got a rolling performance of The Lion King. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not quite the same as a dragon. <laughs> no, not not quite. Uh, no, you're absolutely right about that. You know, Neil, but, what amazes me and fascinates me about these stories is you look at it, you know, decade after decade or century after century. There's always a connection. Like right now, our politicians and our news media is sucking the blood out of every living American. I mean, honest to God, they're, they're just wearing us to the out to the bone. So this has always been around. It's always been prevalent, hasn't it? The way that some characters just suck the blood out of everybody else, takes all their energy, not literally, of course, but figuratively, sucking the life right out of people. Well, in, in, in many ways, and I, I would like to add, first of all, hands across the sea. No, no matter what the yeah. media may like to say, there is an awful lot of love and affection for the people of America from the people of Great Britain. See, there and you I go. I want to extend that. It doesn't matter on media. This is brothers and sisters across the sea, no matter what your colour, what your background, whatever floats your boat. There's a lot of love and respect. And never forget that, friends in America. Okay. Never forget that. But, Neil, I can't tell you one thing, then, because my family did move from England to America, but Barnard is a Scottish name, so I could be in trouble. Hey. <laughs> Weren't you ejected? Your people were ejected. <laughs> yeah, my, we were kicked out. It's true. Think they were hunting it's on the king's land. It's the PR spin. They, they were rebels. They fought for the Jacobite cause. So we could be terrorists anyway. So, hey, uh, that was in the 18th century. So I think we've moved on a bit since then. Well, Neil, I will tell you this, and I talk about it all the time. I do a morning show in town as well, and I talk about it all the time, that the entire family has been to England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. I mean, you go down the list. of. We loved every every moment of it, every bit of it. So we feel the same way about the people of Western Europe, particularly of England, Scotland, Ireland, because they spent most of the time there. Italy, Northern Italy was wonderful. We have the same feeling. I wish these people would stop chirping about how nobody likes anybody else, and it's just because it's, it's a flat-out lie. It is. It, you're absolutely right. And, and if we look at our DNA, our patchwork is all pretty similar. You know, if, if you are... From if, if you're a white person from that background, we're going to be similar. But do you know what? There have been people of all colours in Great Britain. I mean, this empire. Now, there's a lot of bad things about empire, but one thing it did do, it brought races together. Mm-hmm. And in the long yeah. run, that's the powerful message that we all now, <coughs> empire gone, but people now standing shoulder to shoulder, hopefully move on. Move on, do good things, respect and love each other. That's what it's about. God, we need more people like you, Neil, talking about this very thing. I try to do it on, on this show and on the morning show as well, try to say, hey, look, I wake up every morning, got a great wife. Uh, she's on this show. Our son is on this show. Our daughter's on this show. And then there's some other stiff. I don't know who where this Dave guy came from. He's not even related. What, what, where'd you come from? Well, the test results are in, and Tom, you are the father. Well, you are the father of Dave, who's... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You're younger than I am, so that's cool. Neil Story, this is uh, Dave Schrader. He joins us every Wednesday as well. Neil who? I've never heard of the man. Neil Story. <laughs> oh, God, you don't know one another. Oh, no, that's oh, all I need. It's no, Neil Story, no, never, the Dracula King. Heard of him. Yeah, the Dracula King. That's exactly right. And we, do, do you agree with that statement that, that right now our politicians and our media is sucking the blood out of Americans? They're yes. taking all of our energy. Dracula come to life. Yeah, I, I mean, serious. And I don't, Neil, I, I don't know if the same thing's happened in Europe, but it sure appears to be at least once in a while. 
Well, my friends, we, we've just got to keep the faith that the, you know, the average Joe in the street uh, really doesn't want to get involved with all of those awful politics and, and, and putting other races and people down. Exactly. We just want to get on with our lives. And do you know what? With the welcome that people from America have in Great Britain, it, it should be pretty darn warm. And the welcome that I've had when I've reciprocated over in America, we've got some great friends in, in Texas, uh, and my heart goes out to the people of Texas for the, the recent terrible events mm-hmm. out there. You know, there's a lot of love. And, and yes. we've just got to keep that. It might sound like an old hippie talking. Well, I was born in the 70s. I wasn't old enough to be a hippie. No. But the point is, just, just get on with it. We can have a lot more fun. You know, yep. no, no question about that. I will tell you just very, very quickly and we can move on. When we did go to Scotland, uh, I'm a rather large guy. When I was younger, I was a lot more muscular than I am now. But the one thing about going to Scotland is as a big, muscular looking guy in Scotland, every guy I ran into at a bar wanted to wrestle me. It was just <laughs> it was something else, Neil. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a warm welcome. You know, it is. Hug. It was great. <laughs> Hug Plus in Scotland, just for you. you see, <laughs> just for me. We stumbled into a, a, a karaoke bar in Scotland. And it was we, we had one of our tour groups, right? Right. <clears throat> and we've got these 20, 25 Americans, and we go in, and this place is packed. And there's this footballer sitting there, right? He's got the striped shirt on. Oh, there you go. He's hulking. He's sloshed out of his mind, right? And just, he's talking to people. And then, <laughs> then they go... They call for his name to come up, and I, I have it on video. I have to dig it up. I'll have to show it to you because it's insane. He gets up there and starts singing. Um, uh, oh, good God. What is it? Nat King Cole. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like Nat King Cole. Oh, really? Oh, the guy was spot on. Big, hulking white guy, and he's up there, you know, just, Myrna Lisa, Myrna Lisa. <laughs> and he, but he's like, it was insane. And then he gets done, and his shoulders slump, and his head goes down, and he goes walking by, and he's like, get out of my way, as he goes back to the table. <laughs> we were in hysterics. I'm like, how is this even possible? I love that stuff. No, we loved it. There's no question. So how long have you two known one another? About a decade? Oh, really? Decade, yeah, yeah about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave yeah. found me. On a bookshelf in a in an Irish castle. Oh, and yeah. It, and it was just a book, and he thought, "Hey, that looks cool. That's the Dracula Secrets book," and he he bought it and stashed it away for maybe a year. And he he got you know he had a busy show and thought, "Hey, I'm going to contact that guy. I'm going to try and find him and reach out." And well, it's resulted in two amazing tours of of, of England with Dave and 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 the Ghost Crew, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, it's. A friendship that has lingered ever since. That's how it's supposed to Because he doesn't spend enough time with me, Tom, is the problem. See, if he was around more, this friendship would have been over three years ago. Yeah, because it wouldn't be lingering anymore. <laughs> That's very, very true. No question about that. I guess, you know, it all works out. Neil, have, have there always been stories pre Bram Stoker and Dracula? There, there, there have always been stories about bloodsuckers of one kind or another, haven't there? Well, I mean, you can find them back into ancient history because the story of the vampire is an ancient one. Mm -hmm. In the 19th century, you you had things like Polidori. That's the early 19th century. John Polidori, great friend of of Lord Byron, a confidant. And it was often thought that the original vampire book, Polidori's Vampire, was a, a synergy. Did Byron write it? Did Polidori come up with the idea? They weren't sure. And then that kind of rolled on from there. 
when you, when you had uh, like what they call very cheap part works called Varney the Vampire. And that was another popular read. But it, the vampires were, were, were gentry, but they didn't really have a certain class about them. They didn't have a mystery. They were quite rough characters. Bram Stoker was the man that capitalised on, on so many things. When you looked at... Wilkie Collins wrote a book called The Woman in White. And it was the first book that ever used diaries and various letters and newspapers and all sorts to tell the story in a sort of patchwork. Bram knew Wilkie Collins, and he loved that way of doing things. And so for his day, Bram Stoker created the vampire in the story is ancient because he's an immortal. He goes back centuries, does Dracula. But it's set in a modern context. So this is showing Dracula in in coming to a modern world that don't believe in ghouls and ghosties and long-legged beasties. Oh, we're too sophisticated for that. So he can take his advantage of those people that disbelieve in him and feast on the blood of the innocent. So Bram Stoker weaves in things like phonographs and typewriters, modern transport and travel in his stories. So in his day, he was cutting edge. And it's that wonderful synergy of the two that he created. You know, what amazes me is that as a young boy, I guess I was, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. We're watching Dracula one night on on Horror Incorporated, as it was called. Horror Incorporated. (laughs) I actually did the... I did the voiceover for that, Joe. Did you really? Yes. Oh, nice. And I, I often wonder, I mean, that was later in life. I was mm-hmm. not when I was 12 or 13. I was going to really be impressed if you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're watching it one time, and there I have a neighbor over, a young, dazzling <laughs> urbanite was over there watching. We were watching Dracula. And he just keeps going, uh, uh. He just keeps making these grunting noises. And I said, what's the matter with you? Like I said, we're 12, 13, whatever. He goes, man, this is so so ridiculous. I said, why is it so ridiculous? He goes, not one of these people even try to punch Dracula. (laughs) 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 Just punch Dracula right in the face. I wonder how that would go. You could break his teeth. I mean, what's he going to do? Give you a nasty suck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He can't suck your blood if he doesn't have those pointy teeth. No, but the hickeys are going to be brutal. Maybe maybe he's got like a tool in his pocket for just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Artificial teeth, yeah. It's like a mosquito. Yes, I like that. Well, I suppose did, did did he did he dazzle people with his stare? Is that part of it? Does that he just? Oh, like, yeah. he was, he was he very could, charming. Yeah, he could mesmerize people. I mesmerize. Think. There you go. That's the word I was looking at. Well, not not Bram Stoker's Dracula. No, was more like Nosferatu. He didn't right. really have super. He was not a so good-looking creature. He no. was a, cr- a creepy, yeah. nasty-looking thing. It wasn't until yeah. the movie but serial that they mes- came. There is mesmerism in it. Right. Oh, definitely. Um, but it wasn't that charming, good-looking Bella no, Lugosi thing. No, it was. Not. Something totally different. Dracula had the power over the beasts of the night. But he also, Bram Stoker, on the stage at at that time he was writing, it was a a new play called Trilby. And and it's where this innocent young girl in in France is is taken over by a a character that you'll you'll have heard of, Sven Gali-like mystics. Well, this is where Sven Gali comes from. He comes from Trilby. And Bram Stoker was absolutely amazed at this idea of mesmerism. And it, it was a theme that 
followed right through all his other books. He wrote to Sir Oliver Lodge, who was one of the founders of the Society of Psychical Research in Great Britain. And he revisited it in other books, notably the sort of mesmeric power that could even kill people from the power of the mind in his last ever book, Graham's last book, The Lair of the White Worm. Oh, yeah. Yep. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I just, Neil, just talking about this stuff reminds me so much of being a young boy and a teenager and all the different <laughs> things. But did you ever hear Richard Pryor's take on Dracula? It no, was phenomenal. <laughs> he said, you ever notice one thing? Now, Richard Pryor, for maybe younger people, Alex, people just younger than you, do they know who Richard Pryor is? Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> one of the greatest comedians ever born. Black man yeah. in America today from, uh, he was from Peoria, Illinois. I do remember that. But he said, you ever notice one thing about, you go to like a Dracula movie, Dracula never goes into black neighborhoods. And you know why he never goes into black neighborhoods? He goes, you want to what? The guy says to Dracula, you want to what? You want to suck some blood? Why don't you go to the blood bank? And I hope you get sickle cell. <laughs> wow, that's not very nice. That's very, Richard was so funny with that stuff. It was amazing. Are we? Do we always create characters we have a little bit of inside our own hearts? Uh, in other words, Dracula had to be kind of charming. He couldn't just be this vicious, animalistic psychopath. He had to have a little bit of human charm to him, didn't he? It's like the spider and the web. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, or a flypaper. A flypaper is sticky. It's sweet. And the sweetness will attract. But once you are stuck, you are, you are, you are truly at the, at the prey of the paper. Or once you are entranced in the web. And if you remember some of the early Bela Lugosi posters often depicted him in a spider's web. Yeah. And that yep. is the whole point. You can get trapped into the mesmeric gaze. If you remember some of the shots of, of Bela Lugosi have the white, the emphasis is on the eyes, all there. Well, with Bram Stoker, the original creation, once he got into the Lyceum Theatre, Irving sucked the blood out of that poor man. Mm-hmm. His whole life was dedicated to the theatre. But Bram idolised the bloke. He was one of these guys that no matter... How badly he treated the people around him. He was surrounded by a mystique that meant they wanted to kind of endear themselves to him. So the original model, Bram wanted to create a play, more than a book, a play that would be worthy of performance of Sir Henry Irving. Mm. And so really the first model, the first person, the real creation reason for Dracula was Irving. Yeah, that makes total. Yeah, I mean, see that. We we always project that. I mean, I I suppose that's the only way you can tell stories. You you only experience the things that you experience. So when you project outward, I suppose it has to be a lot like you. I would imagine. Well, one of the pretty much universal laws of nature is that what makes predators in real life dangerous is not only their fangs and teeth, but their intellect, and that's why. Dracula is always shown, or usually shown, as very intelligent and able to kind right. of maneuver around people's expectations to get them into the castle or, you know, into the sewers that he lives when he's in Osferatu or whatever. Uh, predators have this ability to manipulate prey right. in a specific way, 
and that's what makes them really scary to a lot of people is you know yeah and what's that's what well, neil's book is so crazy far, about when neil when you when you share what you uncovered in your book because everybody believes dracula was based on vlad tepish right right vlad the impaler there was probably something along the lines but with what andy just said about you know somebody very smart he was predatorial everything who who was dracula really based on neil well, if you read through the entire notes of Dracula, and I have, I have probably read more letters, manuscripts and documents written in Bram Stoker's own hand than any other living person right now. And I can assure you there is no mention in any of those documents of Vlad Tepes. Really? And ladies and gentlemen, the bad news is Bram Stoker never went to Transylvania. The Romanian yeah. tourist board really dislike me. Graham <laughs> used tra travel guides. The Victorian age is the aid of the Baydecker's Guide, the Bradshaw Train Guide. He's got access to the British Museum, the London Library, the finest libraries in the world. He never needed to go. It was all from his imagination and the books that he right. saw, right. but also from the people that he knew. And what I uncovered... It was a long, long trail, a long story where I must give credit to the original man that discovered the suspect, Dr. Francis Tumblety, an, an Irish-born but raised in America quack doctor that had an absolute hatred of women. Well, he had a, a, a man on man relationship that was very close, if I dare say those sort of things, with an, an, an author that in his day was the first man to sell a million copies in the English language. A million copies of any book. His name was Thomas Henry Hall Kane. Hall Kane was influenced and, and Tumblety had a mesmeric power over other men. Believe you me. It's cutting a long story short. Read my book. Read the books of Michael Hawley, um, Stuart Evans. There are other authors too. And Hall Kane was Bram's best friend in later life because they were both great friends of Sir Henry Irving in the theatre. Mm -hmm. When they met, it was going to be either they're going to love each other or hate each other. They had a very close relationship in a very similar way that uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr Watson had a close relationship. They would share rooms, they would go on adventures together. And in Bram's books, he loved to wrap up all sorts of mysteries and put clues in there. If you read the letters of Hall Kane and Tumblety and you read Dracula in a certain way, the clues are all there that Bram is indicating that, that, that Tumblety is, in fact, uh, Jack the Ripper and that, in fact, he, he, he is the one of the models for Dracula. Why do you think it is Neil and Dave and everybody else here at the table? I mean, when I was a kid, starting, I suppose, at eight, nine years old, living in North Minneapolis, I mean, our family, uh, all of our friends, and this was people of all types, all skin colors, all poor people. It was a very poor neighborhood. But I don't care if it was Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy. When it came out, boy, we flocked to that movie theater to see these people. Why, why is it that such young people, they like the, the fright part of it. I understand that. It's a, it's a different feeling. But why are young people so drawn to characters like this? Well, it's the young people of our generation 
and I'm sorry to say oh, okay. this, in some way, I think for, for those of us that grew up in the 60s, 70s and early 80s, we are that last generation to be scared by TV and movie. Oh, I bet. Horror. Now, I'm not talking about gore. Gore fest is not something I want to see. I don't want to be watching anything like that. I'm talking about the classic Universal Monsters, Hammer Horror, the the Wolfman, the Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein, all the stuff that made us shiver, made us frightened. The sort of stuff that I don't know whether you guys in America, as kids, were a little bit more more brave than us, but I remember when I was a kid, I used to hide behind the sofa or look around the door I've met around lots of people that look through the banisters of their stairs because we don't watch these films for too long. <laughs> well, yeah. I just and I think it. it's, this is our generation. We're the last generation to be... You show stills from those movies to kids today, they just think it's people in funny costumes. Yeah. Oh, I can see that's true. Well, I'm 35 years old, and I think the last movie that really, like, made rounds, that made everyone, all the younger people, scared, was Ring. And that was probably yeah, about 20 Ring. years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was The Ring. Yeah, it's called the Ring. It's, origi- Ring. it's originally called Ring in oh, Japanese, yeah. but that yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably about 20 years ago, something like that. And, yeah, everyone watched it. Everyone was terrified by it. You know, everyone was like, oh, you... Well, because, I mean, basically the movie says, you just watch this movie, you're going to die. So it's like it's a little forward <laughs> with its yeah. right. threats. Just a little. Yeah. Um, yep. But, yeah, I don't think I remember, I don't, I mean, everyone, like, the Amityville horror stuff, and the, but people kind of were more fascinated with it than mm. actually genuinely scared by it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think that it's been probably about 20 years since the movies have really, like, you know, done that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, I think it's a greater skill to scare rather than horrify. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good point, I think. Well, they were saying when we did the Warner Brothers and uh, Universal tour a couple of years ago, Cassie and I went and did the VIP deal so we could get behind the scenes oh, and hear all these VIP. cool stories. Hey, Neil, did you, you hear that he's it? a VIP, Neil? Did you hear that? Hear? I had to pay to be a VIP. <laughs> that's the important lesson. But yeah, they, they take you back. as he has for any trip he does. That's know. right. <laughs> but they tell you they tell you more of the in-depth stories. And they said that Ooh. these horror movies exploded during the Depression era times, oh, during sure. war times. Yep. Yeah. It yep. was it was a deflection of the times that you could go watch a, a surreal version of this horror and not be as steeped into what you're dealing yeah. with. So you could deal yeah. with the terror and the fear that you had. It was kind of a release valve. I could see that. Then science has now proven that horror movies, theme parks, things like that are extremely good first dates. Because the chemical that you release during those moments of fear, if you're there with somebody, it bonds you to them. And really? It can also it's called trauma up, bonding. Yeah, it can also kick yeah. up the... Um, yeah. Sexual part allure. of it. Yeah, I'm trying to be careful because there's little ears. but yeah, little the, baby here. Allure... A factor, yeah, and it draws people that. together when they share those. That's why in movies, whenever you see them, you know, Jurassic Park, two seconds ago they're being, you know, tracked down by a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex, and now they're making out in a cabinet. Well, it's because it's a release of endorphins. Right. right. People always laugh at yeah. why are they doing this? But in real life, that's probably that's what, what would, would really be going on. Yeah. And that's why those yeah. movies and thrill rides are so popular, especially on dates, because it does endear you to those people. How do you, both of you, this is a question for everybody at the table, and Neil Story, of course, our special guest, Dracula the Ripper, 125th anniversary of Dracula with Neil Story. But I, I, I just, I'm wondering about this. 
Why do these movies cross cultures? Because very poor kids in my neighborhood loved them. The, the middle class, I, they always went to them. Even wealthy families would, you know, why is that area, the, the, you know, places like Minnesota. Every one of those cultures loved these movies. So did we all just need the same, same relaxation, the same relief from everything? I'll give you an example. There was a kid watching it. We were at the Empress Theater in North Minneapolis watching The Mummy, and The Mummy was chasing a guy down, and The Mummy always dragged one leg, if you remember, mm-hmm. but he caught the guy and <laughs> killed him. And this guy in full voice goes, Hi, you can't outrun a mummy. Which I thought, see, there was a comedic element to it where I went. That was probably not in a lot of theaters, though, was it? Because it's just a different culture. Well, there might be, but humor is, is a release valve, right? Yeah, absolutely. In the African-American culture, I think the reason that they do talk to the screen a lot more, and, they, and they I've do, been there yeah. for horror movies, I love, love going to a horror movie I agree. in a theater that's primarily black <laughs> yeah. people because yep. the relief is, you can see it's their way. Eddie Murphy said it perfectly in his in his in one of his first comedy specials. He goes, why is it white people stay in a haunted house? The minute we're in there and we hear, get out, well, we got to go. got to go. Right? And, and I think that's the, the way that they are very spiritual. They're very understanding. Understanding of the situation and respectful, where you know the idiot white man will just walk in anywhere and poke ghosts, right? The I mean, that's kind of the white man. yeah. That's really compared nice. to the, well, when you consider you know the the way we've uh, acted and and uh, treated the uh, the spiritual realm and the human realm, there's really not much respect for no, it anywhere. I agree. But then you've also got the factor of uh, everybody can relate to the monster in a way. Right? I think that was my next point. Is yeah. it, it's really us we're looking at it. Right. Frankenstein is the monster. What right. did he do wrong? He was just born into this life. Right. So he could be whatever race. Well, he could be whatever religion. specifically. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. He was created. Uh, he wasn't. It wasn't his idea to be here. Correct. And and so you kind of feel for him, and you feel for his not understanding. And even in the moments where he appeared cruel, like throwing the girl in the lake, it was never meant to kill her. Right. Right. She threw the flower in the lake, and he thought, oh, this is fun, this and he, is fun. he tossed her in, not yep. realizing she would drown without the consequence. Yeah, the original Frankenstein really wasn't a horror movie. It was like a kind of psychological take on humanity. It, you weren't supposed to be scared of the monster. Well, you were supposed to, like, you know, okay, there's this scary monster, and then you realize, oh, he's not really scary. But then what happens to him is scary. Hey, we're because, seeing it in today's environment, right? Yeah. You go up and you say yeah. the wrong joke, you oh, yeah. suddenly you've got guys yeah. with pitchforks and, and torches outside your door screaming no, no, for no. you. You throw one girl in a <laughs> lake and all of a sudden they're... Right. Right. Jeez, yeah. People are one so crabby. One time you throw somebody in a lake and you got to answer for it. What's that all about? But then Frankenstein's but monster... the crazy thing. In Ireland, not long before Bram was born, that was happening. Oh, during the time of the, the yeah the cholera outbreaks in oh, Ireland, sure. there was absolute fear that people would go from village to village and spread it. So people got out onto the streets. Any carriage coming towards them, they'd be out with pikes, mm. bill hooks, agriculture, flaming flambeau at night. And if the carriage didn't turn around, they'd pull you out and they'd push you <clears> in <throat> ditches with long poles and and stake you to the ground. God. Well, that's not very that, nice, that, though, is it? That was in the time of Bram Stoker's granny, and she would have told him about that. And, in fact, even in the time of his mum, his mum remembered the Sligo cholera epidemics. So as, as poor little Bram laid in his bed, because he couldn't walk until he was seven years old, he had a mysterious disease. Oh. These, these are the sort of s- stories that would have been told to Bram. Yeah. The folk toilet. And why do, why do these still work? Well, everywhere you go, no matter how poor your neighbourhood, when the, when the sun starts going down, there are shadows, there are dark corners, there are things to be frightened of. Mm-hmm. And 
vampires and monsters, you can easily create them. You don't even need, really, a set of false teeth. You can do it with a sneer. You can be the mummy. You can be Frankenstein by straightening your arms out and adopting a blank face and a funny right. voice. And right. you can chase each other around. It becomes a kid's game. But also, it's that kind of make-believe. It's accessible. It could happen to you. I love it. Well, it's can... like I said, everyone understands the concept of something that's stronger and smarter than you. And it's scary yeah. to everyone. It's scary to everything. Every animal understands, you know, yeah. this thing is better bubble than me. Water. I should avoid it. And yeah. everyone understands that bubble water is delicious. Yeah, water. <laughs> Apparently one wants a little bubble water. <laughs> Neil's story. You, By the way, you can check out Neil's story. Neil, our story's author's page on Amazon. Uh, Neil, you got to come back. This has been a great, great 35 minutes. I, I love talking because it basically... You kind of reveal yourself when you're thinking about this and talking about these kinds of things. What part of it scares you? What part of it doesn't? I mean, you basically are looking at, at a version of yourself, aren't you, when you watch these? Well, movies. you are. It, yep. and, and, and if you were bitten by the vampire, <clears throat> then you too could become one. See, there you go. Neil, come back soon. I'd love to talk to you again, sir. Thank you, Tom, and thank you to all the family, Dave and all. I love to America. God bless you. But, Neil, get better friends than Dave, will you? <laughs> you can't find better friends than Dave. No, there no are none. There Thanks, are no. Neil. You take care, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, friends. All the best. All the best to you. We'll Bye -bye. take a break. Be right, right. back. Thank you. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Homeco Insulation in Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike, and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets 
at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Our back, ladies and gentlemen. I love that conversation. Neil, Neil Story, what a great guy. Yeah. Really, really decent guy. Very smart man, isn't he? Oh, yeah, very good. That's what I said. I found the book when I was in Ireland, and we did an, um, this trip out to uh, um, Ireland, did this whole deal. We're in a castle. There's this book about Dracula Untold, and I started reading about its connections to Jack the Ripper. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So a year later, reach out, bring him on. He's just such, as you heard, an amazing storyteller. Yeah, he is. And he, he is, he's a reenactor. He does all these great deals for the war and the effort and talking about oh, really? what, yeah. So he is, if you follow him on social media, amazing guy, amazing grasp of the history and what's going on out there. So it's well worth the uh, time and effort to uh, read his books because they're meticulous, but not boring. And the fact that he's able to lay out, like he talked about the fact Tumble T is who he believes is the Ripper. Yeah, the Ripper, yeah. And there were pieces missing from each one of the victims. And Tumble right. yes. used to keep body parts in jars. Gross. So there's all these really weird. This guy's a what, kook. What drives that? Why do they keep body parts? It's just a, a, uh, souvenirs. A, souvenirs. It's, it's like to it's remember. Right. You know, they believe that uh, like Dahmer would eat body parts yes. as a way to ingest the, the victim, to make them right. a part of him always and forever. Right. So a lot of these people keep those souvenirs around so that they can look at them at any time. They can revisit them. It's it's weird that that's there. That's what rubs them, and, yeah. you know, excites them to this deal. But it's well, whatever, you know. It, whatever, but, right? Well, how do you whatever explain it? It's, boat, guys. it's it's hard to put into to to speech on the understanding. I don't think I even want to try to understand why they do these weird things, right? You know. One of the great things about doing the morning show over the years is things happened. Kevin Meany was in the studio. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin Meany was in studio, the very, very funny comedian, unfortunately killed himself a while back. Just a very, very funny man. But um, <laughs> I remember he was in the studio on the show when we got the call that Dahmer had done what he did, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, after the after the interview, Kevin Meany goes, can you imagine that, though? I mean, imagine being the, like, you're the landlord and... Yeah. Hey, you got to get up to the Dahmer apartment. There's something went on up there. You better go check it out. So he opens up the door. He looks around and he goes, "All this carpet's got to go." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Alex, let me ask you a question. All right. Alex is going through her lunch or whatever. What are you having for lunch today, Alex? A tuna sandwich. What's in the other bag for mom? Nothing. What do you mean nothing? I thought mom got something with hey, that other she bag. She picked that out specially. Mom's all, I can't taste anything. I, I don't want to eat anything. She can't, can't taste anything. Alex, why do you think it is that you and I really like horror films and mom and Andy don't? <clears throat> I think that part of it is that we, a huge part of it is that we can disconnect from like the idea that it's real and happening to us. Like Fawn has that. Like she can watch something that would upset other children. Yeah. They'd be like, it's too scary, it's too whatever. And she's just like, what, it's just a it's show. got nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah, like, not my problem. Like, I don't know. So, and I think that you and I have that, where it's like, mom gets very, she's very jumpy. She's very, she gets... It's not jumpy. She just punches me in the arm no. every time she's scared. She gets very emotionally involved <laughs> she does, in yes. Yes, she does. those types of movies. Whereas you and I are just... 
enjoying the entertainment value of it. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Andy? Why, why do you think it is that you don't like horror films? I don't know. I've just never really cared one way or another. It's not like, you know, I hate them. I despise no, them. That's I true. just don't really care that much, I guess. It's like, you know, I don't like a sports film or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I understand. Or it's like that. westerns. I just don't really care about <clears throat> westerns. Magnificent Seven, why. you'd like. I would, huh? Well, I like the theme song. You'd love the Magnificent Seven. That's a great movie. What? Yeah, isn't it like a thousand hours long? No, no, it's not that maybe long. Two, two hours, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, something like that. Well, for long ba- for, for back time. then, yeah. that's, old. that's long. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. long. Let's see, Magnificent Seven, 1960. 1960 that came out? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting on in years. I don't know if you know that or not. You are? I haven't heard. I haven't heard a word. What do you got? How long is it? Uh, 128. So, so two hours and eight minutes. For the time, that's fairly long. Yeah, two hours yeah. and eight minutes is very long for a movie back then. Yeah. Because now they go three and a half hours and nobody cares. Except for me, because I don't go watch them. But, you know, it all works out in the end. I do love talking about why we project parts of ourselves out for the world to see, like Dracula and Frankenstein, the mummy and all that stuff, uh, serial killers, all the things that humans actually do, we project them onto screens or in plays or whatever. Do we do that to try to deal with them kind of a, uh, on a face-to-face basis, even though it really isn't? Does it allow us to deal with them a little bit? I think it, 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 it. we're all hoping for an insight as to, oh, that's why. That's why, right. Because we don't want to believe anybody's just that yeah, exactly. evil. Right. That there has to be something that we can, oh, well, he was beaten as a child. That makes oh, complete yeah. and utter sense. It doesn't. I was beaten as a child. It doesn't make me go out and eat people. I'm right you know, there I'm with not you. burying people. I might want to. But uh, no, but it's not. You know, it's, it's that rationale to face isn't it. that rationale isn't like, oh, everybody's beaten as a child is going to end up yeah, whatever. It, it right. increases your odds. It increases it your does. odds of, yeah, and there's lots of things that you know increase your odds yeah. of, lots of different mental things. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's very very rare that you hear about a serial killer, or something like that that just had like totally normal childhood. No, that well, Dahmer. Like, it happens, but it's very infrequent. Dahmer had a, basically a pretty good childhood from my understanding. He, and Ted his father Bundy, loved him, right. was supportive. No, I Ted think. Bundy was like abused yeah, Ted psychologically was by his grandfather. And his stuff. Gr- oh, I never heard yeah. that part. By his grandfather? I think so. Why don't you well, tell see, his grandfather to shut the hell up and get lost? If you don't believe in reincarnation, know. Ted Bundy to me is one that would certainly make you consider it because yeah. when he was three years old, his aunt was spending the night over. I remember this. And he had, she woke up to him standing there with a knife that he, um, he was running underneath the sheet yeah, back and forth. He was, yeah. And he's just staring at her. Where does that come from? Yeah, where does yeah. that if you're, come from? I mean, that's not something that a three-year-old would think. That, to me, feels like there's some old soul or something really twisted in that guy. <laughs> that could be. That, uh, that uh, could happen. But they even talk about Bundy in court. Um, when they found one of the bodies, his face started to contort, and he, he emitted this foul odor—not oh. like, um, not like gas, but just like this sulfur-like smell. Eek. His eyes would turn black, and these are attorneys talking about it. Eek. That when there were points when he yeah. would chat, he would kind of glaze out, and his eyes would turn black oh, yeah. as he told the story about what he did to these people. Yeah, like kind of strange. Their puffy cheeks. Puffy cheek funny. So they look just like the, you know, the gnomes and uh, all the other cute characters. Mm -hmm. It is pretty, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. It is pretty amazing, though. And it it, it does have a lot to do with culture. It does have a lot to do with how much money your your family has, whether they're very poor, kind of poor, middling, kind of rich, or very rich. 
people look at things totally different. Income and way of life has a lot to do with what we believe in, what we just will not believe at all. A lot of things like that. Right. You know. Well, and then there's these... I don't make excuses for why celebrities and rich people do horrible things, but you realize that there's this insular way that they're they're treated. And they will ask for the most fantastic, and because somebody does not want to disappoint them because they're enamored, they find a way to make the fantastic happen. Yeah. I worked for somebody like this and for quite a while, and it was remarkable because... That person's belief was that these things happened just because they were who they are, and they're that they had no concept of the fact of the begging, badgering, and work that was done behind the scenes to make this happen right. for them. They right. just thought, "I am who I am, therefore this happens." And yep. they're so out of touch, but everybody around them well, insulates them. Yeah, yeah, well, we were just talking about that with like somebody like Bill Gates. When when Bill Gates was first like you know a mm-hmm. billionaire, he was you know opening up charter schools and giving money right, away to do right. this and to do that and now it's like he wants to rule the world he does yeah you know and it's like just because you have a billion two billion a hundred billion dollars whatever he's got i don't know don't care it doesn't mean that you know everything about everything and that you should be involved in absolutely everything but people let him because they figure oh he's smart enough to make a hundred billion dollars. Mm-hmm. He's got to know everything about stuff. That's what people, everybody thinks. Yeah, we assign people the uh, attributes that we wish that they would have. Right. Right. Well, it's like when Jesse Ventura ran for governor. People voted for Jesse and came out in throngs. Wasn't that the highest recorded vote I think in the so, state yeah. of Minnesota I up to that right. point? Wow. Because people wanted to change, mm-hmm. and then act all incensed when he's doing his governorship work and being a commentator for the XFL. Right. Well, you can't. You're the governor. You hired a professional wrestler. Exactly. Who's a PR guy. Right. This is. I know. You've got to allow. You know, same with our past president. You you brought in a guy who famously, and I'm not bashing, I'm I'm just saying, famously did not handle money properly and showed uh, disrespect for many people through the years. And he was a reality show star and a, a millionaire. And we hired him because we hoped for change. And then everybody is incensed that he is. Well, when you bring somebody in who doesn't have the knowledge or background, just because they're good at business or good at one thing does not mean that they are this. Now, that doesn't say that Bill Gates might not make a great president because he understands the business of the job and could could do something along those lines. And I'm not... You know, God, indicating no. for him, but I'm just saying there are other skills you can have that can lend to politics maybe a little better because I think polit- politicians get so uh, encased in their own ways mm-hmm. that they don't see, well, maybe we could fix this budget by changing this. Nope, got to be the way it always been, but I'll change it this way. And that's just going back to what the people before him did. So I understand the, the want and desire of people wanting something different than what we've had. Mm-hmm. But and we never do that. Well, we bring them in, and then all we do is bitch and whine and complain when that happens. Well, plus the fact, this all started with Thomas Jefferson. He started screwing people out of money the second he got famous. I mean, that guy jobbed people out of money as whole. He started the national bank system, did he not? I, I don't know. And I think most of the money That American history stuff is so <laughs> confusing. I think most of the money in the banks disappeared, and they never knew where it went. So it's been going on forever. It's both. It's all parties because there used to be other parties. These people are scumbags. Anybody who wants to be the president is nuts. I'm sorry, but they are. No, I think that there's a lot of them that go in with the desire to change things. And once they get in, they realize, oh, 
Got no shot. <laughs> I have absolutely no power. Got no I am a puppet, and I'm here to do what yeah. I'm told to do. And that's yeah, what, if you listen to some of the out interviews of people like Jimmy Carter um, and Bill Clinton and even Obama, you can see the disillusionment with the job. When they went in, they had a sense of what they wanted to do to make things better. And now they're kind of, yeah, it'll take a lot out of you. Yeah. You can see they're just reserved to the fact that this uh, you are a, a figure. You're, you're the queen of England. Mm-hmm. You're a figurehead that has no real power. Yeah, if you want to say something, you got to just say Sneak it. Sneak in. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Jump in. Sidebar, Dahmer did not have a normal childhood. Uh, no? You no. looked it up? No. Not so good? No. There you go. I'd say, but yeah. once she's listening to something else, I can talk. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, we have to take a break anyway. We'll be uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. <clears throat> Alicia McBride in the second hour. That should be rather interesting. How to keep a, a positive mind, body, and soul Ooh. in a negative world. Oh. See, all we do is positivity on the show. That's, it. That's all we ever do. That's what this is. We'll be back. <laughs> Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T. S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the motor sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey, this is Brian Zepp. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. Kind of a kooky song choice there, Andy. I hit random. <laughs> What's that movie coming out? My computer is the kooky one. I don't know. The movie's coming out pretty soon, I know. I thought it came out already. 
I no, I think it's sometime middle of June. I think. Let's find out. I want to go see Bob's Burgers. It's one of oh, my. Do you? I love they made watching a movie? that show. Yeah, yeah it just did. came out. Yeah, I think yesterday. I love that. Thank Elvis you movie, so much. June twenty fourth. June twenty fourth. Yes, yep. that's on my list. Oh well, there you go. The Elvis movie. <laughs> who has it pointed out to me that that with all the people who look like Elvis out there, they found a guy who doesn't look like look Elvis. anything like Elvis. <laughs> I know how many <laughs> Elvis impersonators are there out yeah. there? Well, Pick one of like, them. Was it Michael Shannon? Who played uh, Elvis and Elvis and Nixon? I think oh, you're right. that's right. And yeah, he was great. He was, he was, was really good. Surprisingly, yeah, he's, he's a great really actor. Talented. But yes. that was a, just a brilliant, quirky, weird movie. Mm-hmm. You're quirky and weird. Right. <laughs> I was. I, I watched Fantastic Beasts, the latest one, the oh, Harry yeah. Potter one. I watched that this weekend. It's okay. I mean, if you like All those right. movies, it's good. But what what I didn't realize was the Baker is the guy who plays De Palma in the in the offer. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's like God, that guy's a great actor. He I really mean, is. Oh, good, he that is. Guy. He's very, very. Yeah, he's good. very, very good. But I, I now he he's like De Palma in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you know the, oh. the character Gordon? Uh, the uh, <coughs> Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Coppola, not De Palma. Oh, he's Coppola. I was saying. Yeah. I was he, saying. De Palma plays Jeff Coppola. Garland's brother in. Um, I love Jeff. Garland. Oh, what's that show about the kids growing up in Pennsylvania? Oh, it's uh, it was named after the old. Uh, the good, the good, what the hell's the name of the family? Kids growing up. The Goldbergs. Gold, oh, Goldbergs. Yeah. Okay. He plays Jeff Garland's uh, brother, the, 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 oh, the, the, the ne'er-do-well uncle that is wow. always comes into town and creates all sorts of just huh. catastrophe. But. One of those where I watch a sitcom, like, holy cow, I didn't realize that I knew this. Because certain people you see on screen, you don't like them or you like them, but you yeah. don't know why. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's because right. they were, you know, a villain or something in some <laughs> past thing. So... Who, you know the kid Gordon, he's he's like the production assistant. Have you been watching The Offer at All, Landon? I haven't, no. It's really good. Andy, are you watching it? Nope. Oh, man. I, I think he, it's actually better than The Godfather movie. It's <laughs> certainly to be. way better than three. It's, it's oh, way better. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, it's the yeah, story of the making of The Godfather, oh, which is fun. this larger-than-life, oh, you know, the it producers on Coke it's, and... They're fighting with a mafia, and he winds up friends with Joe Colombo, and people are getting. I mean, that's all real stuff. That's it's real like, stuff. Yeah. That it's so good that you know the results, and you still have doubts if it'll get there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's gonna happen. Or you're not. like, how the hell did they get out of this? But you know they're gonna get out of it because they do a movie. But they man, a, it is really good. And, had a and there's such little things. Have you seen Eight yet? No. Oh man, Eight is the best one. Eight's coming eight up. Is, eight probably is by tomorrow. Far my favorite one of the whole ones. Whole whole. Eight so far. The uh, head of Gulf Western calls Robert De Niro the gr- the shortest unknown actor on the planet. <laughs> oh, those Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Because yeah, yeah. they hate Pacino. Yeah. They, hate they don't Pacino. know who they he don't is. Want and they don't want to use him. And, and I still yeah. don't understand why they hate him. Well, the guy's a great a, actor. He was an unknown person at that time, wow. so they had no idea. Plus, he's really small. So yeah, the he idea is, is yeah, that is. they had they they thought that role should be somebody bigger. Right. You know, it would have ruined the role. Well. He, now, because you now see you're it. right, and, right, and exactly. you know that that uh, I think that's in seven, right, where they do the scene uh, from the yeah. from the uh, cafe or yeah. from the from the dinner where from he shoots Louise. people. From and Louise, yeah. When the head of the the head of the golf oil goes up to him and he like he's still in character. It's like oh holy shit, this God. guy's still gonna kill me at this point. <laughs> I know, you know that thing is unbelievable. But, and then oh the little thing where they move the gun. Apparently that oh, was yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that that was something that he really behind the did. tank yeah. that, on top that, of just yep. to make him more stressed out. To have that extra stress of where the hell's his yep, gun because he, he knew he was all worried about that. Well, you're you right. Know? 
And I tell you what, uh, Giovanni Ribisi plays Joe Colombo. Mm-hmm. And his voice is just like this the whole time. And it's just, i tell you what I could do. I could just kill him if you want me to. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Although, Joey Gallo, holy cow, does that guy look insane. Well, that guy's nuts. Yeah. I don't know who that actor is, but he's insane <laughs> he's in real life. Well, I, I, he, he actually gets dressed up in his suit in eight. And it yeah. doesn't make, oh, a difference. Doesn't, it doesn't make doesn't any make difference. difference at all. Does he still get that? He's still totally insane. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Remember the scene where he's pitching Chinatown for the first time? Oh, yeah. That's a great... Out of his yeah, mind. That's a whole discussion. Well, so what's uh, this Chinatown about? <laughs> well, it's about Nicholson and water. <laughs> Why the fuck's it called Chinatown? <laughs> Why is it called Chinatown? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Landon Banks in studio with us. Uh, I like Landon a lot because he's a truth teller. And I think using what people consider to be hateful words is a great idea because they're not so hateful anymore. You take all the power away from the negative connotation of words, mm. I think. Just go ahead. I mean, that's what we did when I was a kid. I'll tell you what. If there was some word that people were touchy about, they never stopped hearing it till they finally gave up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. Just how it was. My kids are. Oh, Landon Banks. And by the way, Banks, B-A-N-X is how you spell his name. <laughs> the song is called Sissy Boys. Now, tell me again, how did you find the song? Um, back in 2009, my friend Donnie West, an artist and singer and author in the Twin Cities area here, he, um, he asked me to be in his music video for it. So we filmed that shortly after uh, Michael Jackson passed away. Oh, God, 82. And, yes. <laughs> and, um, yes, I was in his video, and I wrote the forward to his CD, I'll Do Anything For You, with the Sissy Boys on there, and it just kind of stuck um, with me the song over the years and um, about almost two years ago when I was re-releasing my uh, Christmas album for the 10 year anniversary my music manager Elliot Graper was like I need. I think we need to um, have you come out with another song right after this mm-hmm. like in six months but he's like not another Christmas song <laughs> let's right, find not something in else months, not in May or June <laughs> yeah. so um, I was thinking about this and I'm just like oh I was driving over to Donnie's house while talking to Elliot on the phone around Christmas and I'm like I think we should do this and he's like Yes, if you uh, can get Donnie's, you know, okay or whatever to to do the song, then I'd love to produce it. So I asked Donnie, he's like, yeah, that'd be a wonderful idea. And here we are a year and a half later. So it's been uh, taken a while to get it to where we wanted to because we finished the song and it was mixed and edited last fall. But we thought, you know, let's release it in Pride Month in June. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a little bit better than releasing it in the fall. So. Here we are. We shot a music video in April, two different days, and uh, two different recording studios in Minneapolis. That is uh, being edited out in L.A. by uh, my editor friend, Elliot Devinney, who works for Netflix. And uh, that's going to be coming out in the next couple weeks, hopefully, as well. Okay. So we're very excited about that. So. All right, now, you brought the song along with you. I did. Andy, you got her teed up? I sure do. All right, now, this is like, no, are, are you... Do you have a band name? Just use Landon Banks. Just me and then Donnie West, the original artist. I was able to get him to do some backing vocals on this. So it was really fun to be able to work one-on-one with the original artist and have him, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think of this? And he supported me and uh, really, really enjoys it. So 
that was an honor as well. So very happy about that. Landon Banks, the song's called Sissy Boys. Like I said, I just love the fact that you're not afraid of words, man. we got to get away from being afraid Thank of you. words, don't you think? The international premiere. Never heard, yes. Never heard by before, human ears right? This before. is it. Yes. The international premiere of Sissy, Sissy Boys. Boys. Woo! Let's do it. Sweetest perfume, people look when we enter the room. Some look twice, boy they sure look nice. Levi or leather, you play in any weather. No game too big or too small, sissy boys likes it all. Fashion is a statement Style never ends To be like us we trust Pretty sissy boys must We dress like women We're just people. 
He threw it in at the end. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew there'd be a little laugh at the end. That's hilarious. That sounds like there a, you go. That sounds like a Flight of the Concords tune. That's it does. Just, that's the great. Kind, yeah, you're oh, right. It really kind does. of does. Thank Especially you. with the kind of pseudo Bowie um, yeah. chorus, which yeah, was really right. kind of neat. Yes, thank you so much. I've had the chance to perform it live twice at a brewery and the Southern Theater um, a week ago. And just to, like, see the audience reaction and when they, you know, we have to kind of figure out the right dance for it. But the people, like, the part that gets them is they join in the <laughs> Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I love the Southern Theater. That's a great space. Yes, it was really fun uh, to perform in there. My music, man, it was part of the um, Minneapolis Mini Fest. So there were about maybe... 10 to 15 different artists and my music manager L Elliot Graber uh, performed there and I performed in the this song in the middle of a set so that was cool. really awesome now Doug is a musician himself so a good person to judge I think well yeah I'm good, like music I, I was well, no, thinking you're a hell of a musician too. <laughs> um God, very I can't humble. remember his name. He's yeah, been on the he's been on the podcast, but a guy that owns a company called A four forty Studios has done a lot of oh, agree, video yeah. work there. And he I can't, I can't remember his name. John uh, Heinen. Thank you. What is it? John Heinen. John yeah. Heinen, yeah. I don't know if you know John. I don't know John, but um I I worked with F five studio uh soundhouse in Uptown for this with Owen Sartori and Davide Rosso for the production of this and Elsa Lee and um, we just had our, you know, we did our Zoom meetings and then we went into the recording studio two different days. One was by myself to do my vocals and then a month or two later we brought Donnie West into the studio to do uh, vocals and Mm -hmm. then it just kind of went through our different uh, versions of the song till we found one that like, this is it, this could click. Mm -hmm. By the might, way, might do good in the dance clubs. I have a feeling. Oh, I God, hope yeah, so. Absolutely. That's that's the plan. I'd love to perform it in in the dance clubs too. So if anyone wants me to perform it anywhere, um, a pride event or a graduation or a club, just find me on social media and let's do make it happen. Now, how long did it take you to cut the song? Um, the total production from the time we started pre-production to the time the song was done was probably like four to six months. But that's oh, through okay. like, yeah. you know, I was only in the studio like two days, but that was, you know, with the producers and the editors and the mixers and everything. And then we we talked about the music video and then COVID got worse. So we had to put that off for a little bit. Then when it was in a lull in April, we were able to get everyone in to do the music video, which is uh, really fun. So <laughs> oh, yeah. very excited for that to come out. So it's kind of like, I always say it's kind of like... Um, just like a child of mine. Mm. No, I understand that. Yeah. It's like, okay, this child is going to be delivered on the 8th. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the child on the 8th. Yeah, I was just thinking, Lenny, you're probably very, very happy that you weren't born with my voice. Because my voice singing that song would not be that mm. great. It'd be okay. Well, sissy I'll... boy, sissy boy. Yeah, I don't know. That... I love your voice. I was thinking in that low part. I should have oh, had you that. come yeah, in. I do that low and part. And I should have yeah. said, featuring sissy Tom Bernard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it works for me. So... When did you find out you could do all this? How old were you when you found out you could do all the things you wanted to do? Oh, man. It was always my dream as a child to grow up to to be an artist and entertainer. I was, um, you know, five, six years old, and I was 
pretending, you know, spinning around in front of the TV, pretending that I was like on the beginning, like when they show the credits of a TV show mm-hmm. and all the actors' names, and I was like, oh, one day I'm I'm gonna be someone up there right, on this, right. you know. I just emulated those people for just kind of getting out there and making something happen, and then um, I kind of, you know, because people were so mean. You know, in school and stuff, I did a few plays, and then in high school, I didn't do the theater stuff because I didn't want to be like, like, oh, you know, picked on any worse than people already did. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then in my 20s, I'm like, okay, I came out, and I'm like, I'm, we're going to do this now, so we're going to make it happen. So I uh, auditioned for one movie. I'm like, if I can do one movie in my life, then, you know, that'd be a bucket list item. I'd be happy, and mm-hmm. I've done like over 100. And... um then I recorded a single song, and then my Christmas album, and then, yeah, it's just kind of like the door just opened, and I kind of walked through it, and just like, I, <laughs> I can do this. This might sound like a weird question, but I'd, I'd love to take. So you said you came out. Was yes. that a very, very tough decision to make? Well, it was, because I was married to my ex-wife at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. And I came out on the morning of 9-11-01, before... Oh, my God. Yes, before... So, this is your fault. I, yes, exactly. I get that a lot. But it was at 2 a.m. I get that. It was at 2 or 3 in the morning. Oh, 2 or so. 3 in the morning. Okay, good. <laughs> but it was like the whole world was falling apart as well as my own at the same time. So it was very... Yeah, it was a very tough decision yeah. to do. And yeah. I kind of like you know, hid in a corner for a couple of years and then moved up to the cities from the south, you know, Faribault, Northfield area. And oh, is that where you're from originally? Faribault, yes. Oh, okay. um, and then just life started, you know, clicking and taking shape and, you know, one thing led to another and here I am. <laughs> and here you are. Then. Just kind of embracing life and accepting, accepting myself for who I am was, I think, the hardest thing. Yeah, because I suppose you had heard your whole childhood you shouldn't be thinking that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Or I shouldn't be this. You know, grew up in a small town. You you know, this is what you do. You grow up, you get married, you have kids, and this and that. So I was on that path, but it just kind of took a detour. (laughs) Well, you are who you are, though. Yes, exactly. You think think humans will ever understand you are who you are? I mean, by you are, I mean all of us. Will people ever understand? I don't know if they will or not. I think a lot of people understand. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where everybody understands. No, they just won't, will they? And that was, yeah, it would be nice if they do. That was the the one verse that I did write in the song was towards the end where um, I kind of say, you know, we're all equal, we're all one and stuff, because that was the message I wanted to get across. Like, I wanted this, the uh, audience or listeners, people that listen to hear the song, I wanted them. To, I wanted it to be like a dance song with a with a message. So you know, you can be dancing in the clubs, but like I wanted them to also take away, aside from hopefully dancing and having a good time, I wanted them to take away something positive after listening to the song. Mm-hmm. And if anyone could do that, then you know that that's worth it. If anyone, if it could make anyone feel like, wow, I'm not alone, you know. So if yeah. Ron DeSantis runs for president in 2024, do you think he might use the song in the campaign? Well, <laughs> works for me. He'd have to. He'd have to have to pay me something, but I'm sure we could. All right, Governor, if you're listening, this is your chance. I could perform it at the inauguration. (laughs) That's not a bad idea. Nobody's ever done that, I don't think. Performed? No, I mean a very specific song like Sissy Boys. 
Well, I mean, Trump used YMCA and then got. Oh, did he? Yeah, why? Yeah. I, I, why? I what was know. the connection? I don't know. You just I, thought I people know. needed I, some aerobic exercise. People or? didn't. Didn't um, uh, Bush used um, one of the American songs? I don't know. Born, you know, born in the watch. USA. Everybody's tried to use "Born in the USA" and they don't but realize it's, not, it's no, a no one knows what it's about. But it's a war protest. It was born in the USA. It was proud to be an American. That oh yeah. And then I think somebody used Toby Keith for a while, and Obama used. I don't know this. Why they, do they bother? They, well, because they try to link into some sort of you oh, know God. being with the hip people, I guess. So, so we need you know sissy boys to be the hip thing, and then suddenly you know Trump will be dancing around to it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, now Joe in Biden a, can't in a, dance in so a he parallel universe. Oh, geez, you know, we, we're nice. We've been nice for. I'm just saying he got a bad leg. You know, we got to take a shot at Joe. I'm we not taking a shot at Joe. Out of the clouds, we got to take the shot at Joe. You think he could dance? I did, I, I wouldn't. These Irish Catholic, about they it. can't dance. Yeah. That's good point. See, they right drink there. enough. They, they just you do that stuff. No, I didn't mean in a negative way. He just can't. These shuffles. Well, you shuffle dance, I suppose. They're yeah. shuffle dancers. I, I just kind of move in the music video, so I kind of dance, kind of move. <laughs> I, I want it to be catchy. Like I want people to like. Oh, I want to get up and dance and move. So well, that, there you go. <laughs> you got it. So uh, yeah, there's no question about it. Why you guys are getting all touchy now? What are We're you not all touchy? touchy? Yes, no, you not are touchy. touchy as hell. I just pointed out. You know that you're touching. I said all these other names didn't. He talked about DeSantis being president. All these nice yeah, things. Taking that we a said. shot at him. No, there wasn't a yes, shot. Yes, he was. I too. was not taking a yes, shot. Yes, you were too. See, Landon, let me explain myself. I'm not a Republican nor a Democrat, so I get yelled at by both oh, sides. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just pointing you, out. You two are constant pain in the ass about politics. Both I didn't of you. have anything negative you're to say about Trump and YMCA. I don't understand it, but you know, when you got a cop, you got a firefighter. You know. Supporting the, uh, you know, first uh, so. first responders. Construction, build Construction, back yeah, they're important people, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You exactly. Dude. That's got to be it. No, I, just, I just don't get I have never understood anybody who loves a president. I don't get it. I just don't get it. They are the most pushy, abusing people on earth because they want to be the biggest thing ever born. I just don't get it well, how you can like them as a person. And I don't care if it's Trump or Biden or any of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back all the way to George Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really... That damn Mildred... Mildred uh, Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> Mildred Pierce. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and again, I don't Joe hate Moore. Donald Trump, nor do I hate Joe Biden. I just don't get the attraction to either one of them. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It's like, eh, whatever. Right? Well, somebody's got to do it. You might as well. I mean, you know, it's not a marriage. It's like pu- public transportation. You pick the bus that gets you to close the, closest to where you want to go. It's yeah. not really more complicated. And then you walk the that. remaining four light years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there <laughs> well, you go. Well, I get incrementally closer. <laughs> yeah. it's... No, I mean, like I said, I've tried it all. I've tried being a Republican. I've tried being a Democrat. Well, my mother was an ardent Democrat, so I was a Democrat the whole time. I was She's a, a different Democrat, though, but. What do you mean? Well, she's different. The, the DFL was very different than what it is Oh, today. yeah, there's no yeah. doubt about that. It was very, very different. But yeah. my mother just loved it. And, mm-hmm. of course, being a Roman Catholic, as soon as JFK got elected, boy, that was a huge deal. But you got another one. This and Joe Biden's a Roman Catholic. Well, they have two no, Catholic no, presidents. He's she the most like religious him. president we've ever had. I mean, the guy says the prayers mm, Jimmy all Carter. the time. Jimmy I don't know. 
well, Jimmy wasn't that religious. I mean, he Baptist. He he teaches Sunday school, yeah. but considering he carries a rosary bead and he says That's prayers true. all the time yeah. and he goes to church all the time, this guy's super religious. I mean, anybody's worried about you know the Pope connection. Here we got it. Yeah, you know. So, of course, fortunately, we have a hippie Pope. Yeah, well, we sure do. I don't know anything about him. him. Is he yammering? He's I grew up Roman Catholic. He's, he's the most liberal pope that they've had since Pope One. Big fans of some of those pedophiles. There's a couple people well, he's real close. He's to. not perfect, I but agree. I would. But he's. No, you know, it's like being the best you're ice skater Catholic, in Texas. So you can't say that. That's right. Well, I'm married to a Catholic, so I... <laughs> well, you're a I'm fake Catholic. The, I'm in the waiting room. I look over the fence when they do the secret handshakes and shit like that. Oh my God. You're obnoxious. The first time my uh, wife and I went to church together, because I'm an Episcopalian, I'd we'd go to this Catholic church in Hastings where she grew up, and a thousand people in the kind. It's a big church, and so we're, they don't have any worship aids, and they've memorized everything. It's something that they're really good at. And so I'm kind of feeling left out until we get to the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, I got that. I know this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know <laughs> this one. Keep going. Cruising along. You but keep going. the Catholics, unlike the Episcopalians, three-quarters of the way through the Lord's Prayer, the congregation stops, and the priest takes a little guitar solo where it just says, talks about something else for two or three lines, and then they all come back in. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Me so either. everybody shuts up except for me who was finishing the prayer, and the priest is, and they're all... Newbie. Yeah, newbie. <laughs> you got go at the end also because there's damn, extra length you guys added. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it was, it was oh, the power and the glory and the spirit or what yeah, the hell at the is end. It? Unless the you watch football on in the seventies or when he used to they used to do the prayer, remember? Oh yeah. That every yeah. Sunday morning when they did the replay. Yeah. Yep, I I just it just amazed me that people actually like these people. It's like they're the most opportunistic and I'm talking about all politicians now. Mm. Not any particular ones, not just the presidents. It's more me now, me, 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 more me. That's what they are. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. Because I think there are good ones out there. Like who? I've said this many times. <laughs> I think there's lots of people out there that try Teddy really Roosevelt. Hard. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy he rode a horse. horse. I love Teddy Roosevelt. He did a lot of things. That guy was larger, very talented. Character. And they threw him under the bus. He was all sorts of things. And they yeah. threw him under the bus. Who threw him under the bus? They, they didn't want them. Remember, there was oh, a Native statue. American and a black guy oh, with the right. statue? Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't good enough to ride the horse? That wasn't the uh, point. Well, you know, the whole statue thing's a whole different issue. Yeah, that right? whole statue deal. Yeah. I'm really glad there's no statue of any of us. i got to be honest with you <laughs> yeah. about that. What I always think is funny is that, is that some of those statues, you don't even know. Like, the average person wouldn't even know where the hell they are. No. You know, like, no, I visited true, them. Yeah. So I know where the Christopher Columbus statue right, is. I right. know where those things are. And I know about those things. But there's a lot of people that have no idea that suddenly care about it that never cared about any of that, you know? But well, the only one I look at is the Sid Hartman statue over by the Twin Stadium. He just That's is so short. Nice. It's so small. I just love the fact bigger. that Chad is still pissed off that he got a statue. Mm. I think well, that's really? a statue. What? Chad is mad because Sid got a statue? Not mad. He just thought it was stupid. Ah, Chad's a, a good nice, kid. You, nice you know tribute. Chad at all? Yeah, well, a little Chad's bit. A, not Chad, like you do. But. Chad's a great yeah. guy. He yeah. really is a good guy. Very smart guy. Yeah. He was a hell of a golfer. Yeah. Yep. Sidney well. was not. He was not. i got to be honest with you. Correct. So, Landon, what do you think? We, oh, we got to take a break. And we'll write, got oh. about 20 more minutes. Can you do 20 more minutes I with can us? do that. Okay. We gotta, we'll be back, wrap it up in about, I think it's, oh, actually it's about 19 or 18 minutes now. We'll be right back. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. 
And when I heard the Schiff story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They're upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. I like that, Andy. Listen, Claire. There you go, Landon Banks in studio with us, ladies and gentlemen. Sissy Boys releasing on Wednesday. So yes. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Absolutely. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having well, it's me. Very nice to have you here. As a matter of fact, I, like Thank I said, you. it's just we try to we try to get a lot of differences. Well, I, I can't believe that anybody in town wouldn't want you to come on and do their your song, would they? I mean, I don't think so. I, I hope would, not. I would think that they'd be pretty engaged. Don't. What do you think, Dougie? I'm just trying to think of some places where it might not play, and a few come to mind, but... Really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> biker like, bar? Yeah. Well, you like, never know. You, I've you, been to a few biker bars. Oh, yeah. You do never know. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's true. How about K-Hate? Could yeah. you go on there? Maybe. K-Hate. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> anyway, looking What the forward. hell? Doesn't sound like a fun place. K-Hate. We hate everyone. <laughs> I think that's a. Isn't that coconut stuff great? It is. It's I, very tasty. Oh my God, it's good stuff. Thank you. 
No question about it. So, where do we go from here? You gonna do? You got the album. You got the. What are you gonna do? Songs coming out in the music video, and then also my children's book, Dinah's Birthday, will be coming out later this fall. Is the uh, the hope the tentative release date? So it's in the editing process right now. My um, illustrator Justin Reese. Uh, illustrated it, and I wrote it, and I actually wrote it back in second grade, so many, many moons ago. Wow. Uh, but, um, and then I've always wanted to, once I started, like, doing the acting and entertaining, I'm like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. I want to record no check. I want to publish my book. I did check. I'm like, oh, boy. I wanted to right. circle back to something that I don't know if I heard you right. You've been in a 100 films? Over a 100. I mean, local, independent ones, wow. so... Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's a lot. Yes, I lost count over a hundred, so it's probably a little more. But yeah. who's counting, right? Now, yeah. do you enjoy it? Or I, I always think about what it must be like to be in the movies, and I would think the acting part would be just fabulous. But isn't that just a lot of sitting around doing nothing as well? Yeah, I think so that would drive me crazy. Basically, it's hurry up and wait. Yeah. yeah. So you get there that. at five a.m., but you don't start till like noon yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have 103 credits on IMDb, by the way. So there you okay. go. Okay. Oh, wow. over 100. Yep, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. There, just keep racking them up. You weren't up. in Paul Blart, were you? That was I a local movie. No. Oh, Not that one. Oh, that was no. <laughs> they shot it in Eden Prairie. They did? Yeah. Did they really? Oh, I didn't know that. I had no Eden idea. Prairie Mall. Oh, they shot it at Eden Prairie Mall. Yeah. I never I knew that. I should have been in that. Oh, yeah, been. Where you were probably tied up in something that didn't pay. Probably. <laughs> That's the deal right there. Well, your first looks like you started in 2007, so... Paul Bart, was that out by then? I have no oh, idea. Oh, I, I think so, yeah. Let's see I was here. a late bloomer, so. <laughs> I was a late bloomer. <laughs> Paul Bart, Mall Cop, was 2009. Ah, shoot. Yeah, Darn. There you go. Just missed that. that yeah, right. but that means they shot it in 08, so. That's true. That's true. Usually, yes. That is very, very true. I never knew that was shot out yeah. there. It was a terrible movie, by the way. Of course it was. Well, I mean, it it's a cop on a, a mall cop on a Segway. That's the joke. Isn't that the guy <laughs> from King of Queens? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Kevin, yeah, yeah, Kevin James. James. Yes, yes, okay. Kevin James. Yes, I do have a, quite a handful of films coming out, though, later this year. Well, I want to hear about um, them. Well, Christmas Slasher. Will be uh, hopefully coming out. Christmas slash yes, musical? It's, it's, no, um, they might be playing some of my Christmas music in there, though. I think so. That was the last I heard. Um, but yeah, so I have a fun comedic part in that. We shot that up in the woods in Duluth, and um, that's where I got to shoot uh, a gun for the first time cool. with blanks. It wasn't a prop gun, a Who'd real gun kill? with blanks. No one, but I thought I was going to shoot myself. Were you like the Adam was... Baldwin of the set? Oh, I was trying not to be. I was like, they're like, okay, here you go. Have you done this for me? Like, no. Mm, Let, let's rehearse this. Thankfully, it was way out in the woods in the middle of nowhere. But, um, yeah, that was kind of dicey and like, whoa. Like, I've used prop ones before. And if, if I ever use a prop gun in your movie, for the record, I'll probably break it because that's happened. Mm. <laughs> There's a thing that happens 100% of the time when people fire guns for the first time, and that's that they had no idea how loud they are. Oh, my gosh. No one has any idea unless they've been in the same room as a gun going off. Yes, and they were blanks, and it was very, very loud. I'm like, whoa, the the reaction was like, whoa, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That wasn't acting. That was uh, real. Blanks have all the gunpowder in there. They just don't have the bullet that comes out. So Mm. that sound is, that's the sound of a real bullet going off. uh, Yeah. Very loud. It was like, whoa, mm-hmm. one take to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and if something happens to me, there will be no other takes. 
No, I could understand that. Matter, matter of fact, I, I one once in my life at a draw, at a shooting range, because I, I, I have a permit to carry. I don't ever carry a gun, but I have a permit to carry one. Um, and I went to qualify about two, three years ago for the latest version of it. There was a guy next to me about uh, ten feet down with a forty-four Magnum long barrel. You want to talk loud? Break your wrist oh. right off. Oh yeah. my God, that gun was loud. I mean, it's literally about oh my gosh. Up, It's about two feet long. Uh, honestly, and it's a revolver, so mm. the noise just comes out of the gun, man. And it, oh my God, that thing was loud. It uh, literally sounded like a cannon. Wow. So, now why did you have to shoot a gun? It was part of the scene in the movie, so well, Christmas slasher. So, <laughs> yes, yes, I think I was going to get a deer or something. Were you going to shoot a deer? I think so. A okay. fake, a pretend deer. Christmas slasher, so the people get slashed, I'm assuming. Yeah. I, I won't tell you <laughs> if I do. Look at the he's making down. He's like, yeah. <laughs> you have to watch it. I can't give away my... No, no, my... no, I understand. <laughs> I understand. It, it's I, uh, not a very subtle title. No. I mean, you kind of know, you know what it's, it's, it's about. It's like a throwback to campy, uh, cultish, comedic, low-budget, cheesy 80s horror movies. That was a mouthful. <laughs> Oh my Perfect. God! I literally one time, and I got to be because my Andy's my son, so I can't say the word in front of him, or I probably don't want to say it on a podcast anyway. But a friend of mine had this very pretty younger sister, and I always wanted to take her out, and they, he always said, "Nope, no way, you're not taking her out. Not gonna happen." So I said, "Come on!" So it literally took me like a couple of years to talk my friend into letting me date his sister. Very very sweet person. I really had a good time. Went. Went to Scarpelli. Remember Scarpelli's down mm-hmm. on uh, Nicollet and Franklin? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Took her to Scarpelli's and we went to a movie. The reason I'm thinking about this is because the name of the movie was Black Christmas. <gasps> yes. Okay, so you've seen that movie? Yes. The movie opens. <clears throat> this is our first date with a woman I was not supposed to go anywhere near, according to her brother, a friend of mine. And the opening scene, you just see a phone ringing. They kind of close in on a phone, and it's ringing. And a young woman, it's a sorority house. You can figure that out. She answers the phone, so I'm going to replace one word with another. She answers the phone, and the guy on the other end goes, I want to smell your crotch. Only he didn't say crotch. We kind of figured that time. And I'm like, well, I guess we'll never go out again, will we? (laughs) I had no line. The first line in the movie. Excellent. I'm like, oh, God, I thought this was going to be like, you're talking about campy and funny. Yes. And I thought Black Christmas has got to be campy, funny. It'd be great. Nope, it was not. Mm. My dad did something like that. He told me oh, when he was God. a young lad back in the, had to be the early 40s. First date, he took a, his date to see Old Yeller. Oh, oh boy. we oh. started crying. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, it's happened before. Yeah, not a, not a first date. No. Well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in 42, the there wasn't a lot of choice. I yes. Guess. But, Landon, I should mention that I am a huge fan of horror films. Always have been. I, it's kind of weird because Andy and Catherine, my wife, are not. But Alex, our daughter, and I are. Oh, fine. I don't know. Why do you a think family, A house divided. A house divided. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. I wonder why that is, though, that, that, that you and Catherine don't like them and Alex and I do. I don't know. It's just a weird setup. Don't you think? I think for me it's the fact that people in the movies always act dumb in unrealistic ways. Yeah, you know, well, like that's they parried true. it in that what was it like the insurance ad or whatever the hell it was. It's like you know, let's 
hide amongst these chainsaws. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, There's a yes. running car right over there, but no, let's uh, let's go in the knife drawer. That's uh, <laughs> right. be a safe place to be. It was, it's always like that in every horror true. movie. It's like, that's true. Well, yeah. why are you trying so hard to die? Yeah, they go upstairs when they should be going out the front door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I know, I I tell people that I've done quite a handful of them, and they're like, oh, I can't watch them, they're scary. I'm like, well, I'm in them, they can't be too scary. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I said, I look pretty good for a dead guy. (laughs) How many horror films have you been in? Probably around 20, maybe. Really? Something like that, low-budget, independent ones. Yeah, thank you. Have they released (laughs) most of them? Some of them, yeah. Some of them. I mean, some of them have little premieres, or they're on Amazon, or yeah, yeah. you know, YouTube. You got to shoot me a couple of names. Like you got to watch a couple of your movies. Okay. How about yep. it was a dark and creepy night too? That was like a Halloween project, yeah. Mm, but there there's go. Camp Kill. Mm. Camp Kill. Camp Kill. What kind of friends do you have, Landon? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're mostly dead, so I don't know. Just oh God, <laughs> that's not good news, though, is no. it? So, do you think you'll ever write and direct the movie? Huh? That would be fun. It's... Yes, I kind of saw the look at you. You had a glow in your eye talking about be acting in, in films. Yeah. I thought, oh, I bet you he's going to make a film. I, I could picture myself doing that, or even talking about maybe making my children's book into like a short children's film, you know. Let's hear about the children's book. What's it about? Uh, it's called Dinah's Birthday. Dinah. And, and who is Dinah? She is uh, this. Little girl is having her eighth birthday, and she okay. invites all of her friends to her party. But one of her friends, Lillian, is not as affluent as the rest of them. So um, she has to use her imagination, let's just say, um, right. when she attends, because all the other kids are, you know, throwing very expensive uh, presents her way. But um, yeah, if I say anything else, I'll give it away. No, no, no. Like, I understand. No. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's a very, and my um, editor, H.T. Altman, and he's really enjoyed it. So it's going to be part of um, his 507 book club down in Rochester. Um, We're we're hoping to get it, um, you know, we're working on the editing now, and Justin Reese did the illustrations. And, um, yeah, we're we're excited to see where it goes. So I'm hopefully get into some stores and do some book signings. For that later this uh, fall and get into some schools. Actually, I'd love to go back to my school in Faribault where I grew up and where I actually wrote the book many years ago. So that would kind of be like coming full circle, I think. So, You know what you should do? Just go one town over to Northfield and do like a gay version of the Jesse James raid. <laughs> How cool would that be? I like that. That would be fun. I think it would be fun. <laughs> you don't, don't you think that would be fun? It would. Actually, I'm serious. That'd I think li- that'll be a great. Uh, that liven it up a little bit. <laughs> I'd go see it. So, uh, what would it look like? <laughs> I just think that it'd be funny because the, there's arguments in it, so the arguments probably be a little different. There's, you know, a lot of aggression, so they'd probably back off on the aggression some. Although, you know, you never know. You never know. But I, I just, I think it's a great idea. Now, what, Faribault High School? What's what's the uh, the mascot. Uh, the fighting Falcon. Malta meal, isn't Terrible it? Terrible Falcons. Falcons. That's what it was Malta when I went there, but I'm sure the it's Terrible so the Falcons. Same. Yep. The reason I asked that is I went to North High in Minneapolis. And of course, North High School, the the our little logo was the polar bear. Okay. Right? But the problem with having a polar bear is most of the kids that went there were not white. So they and literally Nor were they bears. Nor were they bears, that's true. But 1969, the year I was supposed to graduate because I had tested out earlier, so I was gone a couple of years. But I went back for my what would have been my 
my uh, senior year and watched a couple of football games, and I noticed they changed the slogan because it was a polar bear. The slogan became, Bears Have Soul. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a 60s. <laughs> That's a 60s slogan if you ever heard one, huh? That's a great one right there. I don't know. It was fun. I Let's get to it. the soul of the matter, right? Get to the soul of the matter. So you're, you're looking at cutting more songs. No, you said you started writing that book when you were... I, I wrote grade? this in second grade, That's and it amazing. won an award in my class. Really? Um, the local Minnesota author, Nancy Carlson, she oh, was sure. coming to our school. Sure. And uh, the winner of each class, you know, there were probably like 25 classes between kindergarten through sixth grade, and one student won per class, and I won for my second grade class. And I got to meet Nancy Carlson, and, um, yeah, it was, I'm, I'm actually trying to hopefully contact her and be like back in the day yeah <laughs> i wrote this and met you and now i'm able to publish it so i want to say thank you <laughs> there was an article about her not that long ago uh, um i was trying to think of where i saw that she was married to bill carlson right if i, I think so that. nancy carlson nancy think and bill carlson right. i think that's right i'm pretty sure that's true but yeah i I've, i haven't seen her in a long long time she's a very very pleasant person i know yes that. I do remember that. But did you know, so you're basically seven, eight years old when you wrote this? Yes. Yeah. Did you know that was rather unusual for an eight-year-old to do that? Um, not really. Well, the assignment was that every kid had to write a story. Oh, okay. But my, my story was the one selected. I'm like, well, maybe if, I mean, if the teacher likes it out of 30 stories, then there must be something to it. Right. And then right. my editor, H.C. Altman, really is like, I, this is different. I really like, and he's, he's very intelligent and very good at, you know, stuff that's like, oh, this has been done a hundred times before. So when I found these people that like believed in me, I'm like, I can do that. You know, Landon, you do something, and I don't even know if you know you're doing it, but it's a very, very smart thing to do, is you give people that you work with a lot of credit. Oh, thank you. It's a very smart thing to do, because most times you're not going to hear who the producer was, the director was, or this, or that. You mentioned every one of them. That's very, very smart. Oh, awesome. Yes. I, I, I mean, it's, I just, I'm the one kind of putting myself out and, you know, the front spokesperson for all this, but there's all the people behind the scenes. I, I yeah. try to say I'm trying to do the best I can with what talent I've been giving, but I try to surround myself with people who are amazing at what they do. And I right. think I've put together a fairly good uh, team of people that uh, support me and believe in me and help me bring everything to fruition. And then hopefully just put it out there and you hope and hope and pray it, it does well and it finds an audience somewhere. Well, I mean, in young people, if they're listening, they can tell that you're grateful. Teaching gratitude is a so. very good thing. It really is. And do we do that much anymore? Teach gratitude? I don't, hear I, it I don't think often. so, no. I don't think we do either. It's it's good to thank the people you work with, you know. I mean, I'm not going to do it with you. <laughs> and why would you? <laughs> it's never going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the, oh, my God, we only got like three minutes left. <laughs> that day flew by. Yeah. So writing books, writing songs, acting in movies. You ever going to get a real job? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, um. Maybe someday. <laughs> so have you, did you ever have a line of work that you probably didn't care for? Um, yes. I mean, you don't have to tell me what it is. If yes, you I have, yes. And they always say if you do something to love, you don't work a day in your life. So right. I always said the one job that I'd want to do you know, 24-7 is if, I were an artist and in the entertainment business because, you know, you're always getting people, you know, producers, directors, you right, know, everyone, right. 
everyone's kind of like emailing you all the time, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of what I signed up for, so I'm going to stick with it. Right. Because the dream great. is happening. So. Well, Landon, when these things come out, please come back and spend some time in the studio. It's really great to meet you. Uh, I would you were, love to do that. Last, you were on when? First, the first time was um, a while ago. At the end of February, February 23rd, yep. when I was in Mexico on the beach. Oh, they, Playa oh del God. Carmen. Here so. we go. Yes, yeah. How is that? Playa del Carmen, I've heard it's amazing. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. I go back in a heartbeat, so... All right, well, stay in touch. I will, and I All want right. to uh, give present you uh, with one of my books signed oh, by Justin and myself nice. when it's done. Absolutely. So for, uh, you can read it to your uh, youngin. So you know, Three, five, and six months. Yes. You mean the one with the big C? Yeah, and the, hopefully not that one. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not that one. But no, it's great of you to come in. We loved your song, and the song is coming out Wednesday. Wednesday, June 8th, Sissy Boys on digital streaming platforms, yes. Okay, so they can go to pretty much any digital streaming platform and you can find it there? They should, yes. That's okay. that's that's what I'm told. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Thanks for listening. We'll Thank talk you to you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Landon, great to have you in. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye.